Kia ora everyone, naomai, haramai, and welcome to Tekupu, or The Word, with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy. Today, on the 15th of March, 2022, um, I just wanted to extend my apologies that I've been on a bit of a hiatus. I've actually got two other podcasts I'm working on editing at the moment, which are going to come out in the next couple of weeks. But for now, I just wanted to touch base, and yeah, how are you guys all doing? I know it's a bit of an um, uncomfortable time, unsettling, and yeah, we don't really know what's going on at the moment in the world, and so I kind of wanted to focus today's episode on deliberations around war and the reasons why these sort of fringe actors always seem to come to power and exert their seeming dominance over others. And I wanted to do this by reading um, an essay written by Carlo Roveri, an incredible Italian theoretical physicist who brought out a book a couple of years ago called There Are Places in the World Where Rules Are Less Important Than Kindness. And it's a collection of his articles that he's written for various publications mainly in Italy, but also in the UK, in the US. And this particular essay he wrote is called Mein Kampf, and it was published in the Corriere della Sera on the 13th of August 2016, so nearly six years ago, and in which he reflects on the republication of Adolf Hitler's book Mein Kampf, and think it offers quite a neat parallel towards what's motivating Vladimir Putin at the moment and why this war in Ukraine is happening. And of course, it's easy to try to narrow these things down and compare Vladimir Putin to Adolf Hitler. But I think afterwards, I'll make the case of why it is important to try and draw some sort of comparison, even if it's just to rationalize it. So, a bit of a more somber episode, but yeah, here goes Mein Kampf by Carlo Rovelli. The newspaper Il Giornale has offered on the newsstands a new edition of Hitler's Mein Kampf, There are sound enough reasons for feeling offended or even disgusted by this decision, and yet I found myself in agreement with the newspaper's editor when, perhaps a little clumsily, he sought to defend the controversial act by saying that in order to fight evil, you need to know it and to understand it. For my part, I read Mein Kampf some time ago, and I did learn something from it. It taught me a few things that I did not expect to find. I'll try to summarize them here. Nazism, of course, was a ferocious unleashing of aggression. From the night of the long knives to the desperate defense of Berlin, it rode a wave of extreme violence. The immediate ideological justification for the outbreak of brutality and violence was the self-styled racial and cultural superiority of the Germanic people, the exaltation of a force, a reading of the world in terms of conflict rather than collaboration, and contempt for the weak. This is what I thought I would find in Mein Kampf before actually reading it. But Hitler's book turned out to be something of a surprise, clearly showing, as it does, 
what was the real source of all this, namely fear. For me, this came as a revelation which allowed me to grasp something about the mindset of the political right that I had always struggled to understand, a main source of the emotions that give power to the right and above all to the far right, is not the feeling of being strong. It is, on the contrary, the fear of being weak. This fear is explicit in Mein Kampf. This feeling of inferiority, the sense of being surrounded by imminent danger, the reason behind the need to dominate others derives from a terror of being dominated by them. The reason for preferring combat to collaboration is that we fear the strength of others. The reason why we close ourselves into an identity, a group, a folk, is to create a gang stronger than the other gangs in a relentlessly dog-eat-dog world. Hitler depicts a savage world in which the enemy is everywhere, danger is everywhere, and the only desperate hope of avoiding succumbing to it is to band together into a group and prevail. The result of this fear was the devastation of Europe and the loss of 70 million lives worldwide. What can we learn from this? I think it teaches us that in order to avoid catastrophes, we do not need to defend ourselves against others. We need to fight against our fear of them. This is what is so devastating. It is this reciprocal fear that inclines us to see others as less human and that opens the way to an inferno. A Germany offended and humiliated by the outcome of the First World War and terrified by the power of France and Russia was a Germany primed for auto-destruction. The Germany that, having learned its lesson and reconstructed itself at the center of European collaboration and resistance to war, is a Germany that has truly flourished. Those who feel weak are afraid, wary of others. They defend themselves and cluster in their supposed identity. Those who are strong are not afraid, do not seek conflict, but collaborate instead and contribute to building a better world for themselves and others. If someone tells you that you should be afraid, it is because they are weak. I believe there are a few books as revealing of this intimate logic of violence as Mein Kampf. I think you guys can agree that this essay offers some insight into the psychology behind what drives Vladimir Putin. I spoke to my father a couple of days ago about the war and about Putin, and I asked him whether or not he's got people around him that are actively questioning what he's doing. Um, and my dad said yes, but that they're not speaking up and they're too afraid to do so because it is now too late. Um, and he also said that Putin isn't doing this, running this war to try and extend the territory of Russia or to bring Russia back together again. He's doing it for survival. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, things make a lot more sense. You know, we've got three million Ukrainians that are now dispersed throughout Europe. And we've got 15,000 Russians that are in prison for protesting. And we've got these severely draconian laws in Russia regarding media and state media that are so pervasive that the majority of Russians living in Russia actually believe that bombs are not flying in Kiev and that this is a special military operation and that the West has gone crazy and that they're creating any forms of conspiracy theories about Russia and that Vladimir Putin is actually a saint because he's liberating Ukraine 
And I mean, the audacity of that claim becomes evident when you look at the President Zelensky being Jewish and having lost family members in the Holocaust. And Putin is trying to sort of collate these claims that there are neo-Nazi fringe groups in the Ukraine, which is true, um, especially in southeastern Ukraine. Um, but they are by no means the majority. And um, I think it's this conflagration and this inclusion of half-truths into this narrative that kind of has beckoned Russian people to believe what Vladimir Putin has been saying to them. Um, and I think the words from Carlo Rovelli, I think you guys should go back and re-listen to this essay again. It sort of really frames the entire thing into a more, not palatable, but a narrative that makes sense, you know, and that fear is what's driving Putin and not the sense of domination and strength, just like Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. And I mean, you can take that essay and you can substitute Germany for Russia and it will still ring true. So, yeah, I extend all my love and gratitude out to you guys for listening and supporting this podcast. And I'm going to try and do a couple of these short recordings over the next couple of weeks that will hopefully not necessarily make you feel better, but I guess make you understand the underlying psychology a little bit better. And by understanding, I guess you get a little bit more comfort. Um, yeah. So to all my family in Germany and friends, loved ones all around the world, big hugs and Aroha Nui from my little perch here on my porch in Golden Bay, New Zealand. Talk soon.